Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship, and I'm here to validate and support others who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Obviously, I'm here for my queers, but everyone is welcome here. Today, I'm going to talk to you about my kiddo and how things were for him and my relationship with my abuser some of the things that my abuser did to control him, to control me, to control his dad, things like that. Um, Mostly because I have been posting some TikToks about this subject and I've realized a lot of people are coming forward and saying that they experienced the same thing. It can be pretty subtle, so it's kind of hard to necessarily necessarily why would I need that word there sometimes it's kind of hard to recognize it and especially if you've never been in it so we're going to dive into this very yucky subject okay so before I begin I just want to remind everyone if you're listening last week I do have COVID slash am coming out of the whole COVID fog thing It was not fun. Um, I hope you've never had it, or if you did, I hope it was not quite so yucky for you. Seems like a lot of people have it right now, but anyway, I apologize for my voice still not being 100%. (sighs) Okay, kiddos. Kiddos in abusive relationships. How does this look for them? I have been putting off this topic for quite some time. This one and reactive abuse, I keep bringing that up. Man, these are just some really yucky things. I'm just, it's not fun to talk about still. You know, I'm, I am six and a half months, no contact. And some of these things I can talk about, no problem. And some of them are just very difficult. Um, probably cause I haven't like fully processed like the entirety of what it means that this is what I went through. This is what was going on in my life. This is who I was at the time. This is what my child went through. Those are really nasty things versus like just talking about what breadcrumbing can look like and talking about love bombing and things like that. Um, But yeah, this is very hard for me. And I feel like one of the things that I really struggle with in terms of talking about what my kiddo went through is that if I talk about it, it makes it more real it puts it out into the universe that my child actually was abused at the hands of my abuser. And it makes me feel like a piece of crap. It makes me feel like I didn't do enough to keep him safe. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm an idiot. And of course, everyone, you know, everyone, people come out on the internet and want to say those things. Well, you chose this person. Well, you subjected your child to this. And for what? For what? Well, what they don't realize is that obviously this person did not start off that way. They start off so kind. They start off loving. They start off, oh, I never wanted a kid, but oh my God, he's so sweet. He's so special. He's so cute. He's so, 
you know, I just want to be seen as like an equal parent to him. I just want to be there for him and for you in the way that your, your ex wasn't, you know, all these things. And they slide right in and they're kind and they're good and they're perfect and they're your soulmate. I've talked about this a lot. That's the whole love bombing thing. That's mirroring. That's how they draw you in. You know, most of us wouldn't date the person that they ended up being if we had known in the beginning obviously we wouldn't have gone through with it we would have protected ourselves we would have protected our kids we would have held on to our friends and family and not let these people come between us right I mean it's not how it works but um yeah I I just I'm gonna take this little minute to myself to say that this is very hard to talk about because again it makes it feel more real Um, And another thing is along with like how a lot of survivors, we minimize what we went through, like as adults, we'll minimize like while we're in the relationship. Oh, it's not so bad. Oh, everyone fights like this. Oh, you know, this is how it was in my parents relationship too. blah, blah, blah. And then we um, minimize. I know for a fact that I minimize what my child went through and I minimize the physical abuse and I minimize how difficult it was to get away with this person, you know, threatening me and coming after me and targeting my child and how scary it was at that time that they were going to do something terrible. I minimize a lot of that. And I'm guessing that you do too. And yeah, again, just the kiddo, this is one of the things that I minimize the most because I just don't want him to be like tainted in the way that I sometimes feel like I have been tainted. Um, I don't want him to be seen as a survivor or, you know, a victim of child abuse. But if you look on the website and you look on all of the, you know, explanations of it, what my ex did to my son was definitely child abuse. And it's so hard to talk about because there are kids who have experienced so many horrible things. And then you feel like an idiot talking about that your child, you know, was emotionally abused or, you know, controlled and coerced and this and that. And then you're like, but they weren't X, Y, Z. And that's what we think of when we think of child abuse. And the same goes for adults. It's if you come out and start to talk about how you were emotionally abused, whether you're physically abused or not, that doesn't matter. People immediately want to say, well, what do they do? Did they, did they punch you? Did they do this? Did they do that? Oh, I've seen so much worse. You know, you didn't end up in the hospital. Thank goodness for that. Oh, at least they didn't kill you. You know, it's always like comparing because there's always so much worse. And while that's true... It's not okay to treat children this way. It's especially not okay to treat someone else's child this way. It's not okay to treat people in the way that abusers treat other people. It's not okay. And we need to talk about these things. And we need to support each other and help each other get out of these horrible situations. And learn not to say minimizing, invalidating things to survivors when they come forward. Whether it's about themselves or their kids. We need to take these things very seriously. All right, sorry about this whole huge preamble. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to start off with what I just made those TikToks about, um, which is like the very subtle manipulation control that came in very early on, which makes me feel crazy because it's like, why did I let this other random person that I really didn't know influence what I was doing as a mother at the time? I say this on a lot of episodes, so I guess I need to say this for myself to give myself grace. I was in a horrible place in my life. I was, you know, I had just come out as queer. I was leaving my marriage. I had just lost my dog who was killed. 
I was alone with my kiddo for an extended period of time. I was very lonely. So of course, I was in a place where it was easy for someone to come in and say, hey, I really care about you. You seem really tired and really run down. Let me help you. Let me make some changes in your life that are going to be in your best interest. And I know it's going to be hard, but it's going to be good for your kiddo in the, in, in the long run. And I believed them. I believe that they cared about me. I believe that they saw an area in my life that could use some improvement. You know, they didn't want me to be struggling and they genuinely cared about me and my kiddo. So the first thing was within a couple of weeks, they wanted me to stop sleeping with and breastfeeding my son. And I know that a lot of people are going to say, I get this on my, I mean, it's, it's a pretty controversial thing and people are going to say, well, you shouldn't be co-sleeping anyway. And your kiddo needs like a pretty solid routine anyway. So, you know, that's not abuse. And that's not the point here. That's not what I'm here to talk about. Whether you think that that's right or wrong or good or bad, it's the way that they came in and changed things and the reason that they did it. They did it to create space between my son and I, who like we were obviously attached. We were together all the time. He was little. And that's how it should be. That's how I felt it should be. I felt that I maybe not you know, as, as much as it was, because I was very run down and needed sleep. I needed support is what I needed was like someone to help me with them, like the chores or walk the dogs or things like that so that I could rest during the times that I could rest. Um, and I didn't have that. And, you know, a lot of us don't. And so they came in and, you know, gave him a totally different bedtime routine um, had me wean him. And I remember feeling very guilty. I remember sneaking, um, when it was just me and him at my house, he would ask for milk and I would give it to him and it, but it was very sneaky. And I should have known that if I felt this weird about it, that I should have said, Hey, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't think this is time yet. I think that, um, I need to think about what's going on here and decide if I'm ready for this. But I felt very pressured And yet it wasn't in a cruel way. It wasn't in an outright abusive way. It wasn't, you need to stop this or else I'm not going to be with you. You need to, you know, whatever. It was very much, this is what's best for you. I care about you. I'm trying to help you. And I cried a lot. I struggled a lot with guilt. Oh my gosh, I can't even like, see, it's very hard. I have a lot of guilt about that time and kind of like the, the wedge that was, placed between us without me even really noticing it. Um, And then throughout the relationship, they worked very hard to have him be really close to them. Um, They wanted to be seen as an equal parent. They did a lot for him. I will not say that they didn't. They did a lot of bedtime routines, bath times, reading him books, getting him dressed in the morning, helping me get him to preschool, helping me with food. A lot of the like day in, day out, like things that I do struggle with because I'm a very unorganized person. Um, but I mean, I'll say it now. I did it before they came along and I do it by myself now. So it's not that I needed them. It was very much a, uh, I'm going to convince you that you need me and that you can't survive without me because you can't take care of your son without me so that you don't leave me. Because if you do, you won't be able to survive. You won't be able to get him to school, blah, blah, blah. And I believed it. Um, and... I know I say this every episode, but that is definitely another episode of the whole, all the things that I was doing just fine by myself before I met them that I somehow magically started to believe that I couldn't do or 
things about myself that I felt sure about and then all of a sudden wasn't sure about you know just like you completely just don't even know what's real after a while but back to my kiddo um so they did um they did fight very hard to be to be called a parent they would tell him that they were his parent they would tell me and my son's dad that they were his parent that they were equal that they needed to be in all the decisions all the conversations all the things and then at the same time there was this like you never knew which it was going to be were they going to show up that day as his parent you know equal parent were there maybe other people around were we going to a get together and they needed to be seen as his parent so they wanted to be like in the trenches like I'm going to get him his food I'm going to bring him his food oh I'm going to make sure he's oh I'm going to go whatever or is he inconvenient today do they want to go out and do stuff without having to feel like a parent and feel guilty and feel all the things that I feel when I want to go and do things for myself? So then all of a sudden it's, well, you know, he's, you know, like, I mean, they wouldn't so much as say it. They couldn't say it because if they said, oh, well, he's not mine, then, you know, they could never say that again and, and like get away with the fact that they were trying to be an equal parent. But it was very much this palpable feeling of like well he's not mine so I'm gonna do whatever I want because you're the one who's gonna stay home with him and you're the one who's like I mean again you never knew which which person you were gonna get the equal parent fighting to the death to be seen that way or the this isn't my problem he's yours I'm gonna go do xyz and I'm not gonna feel bad about it I had just so much, I already kind of said this, but I had so much hesitancy about talking about the way they treated my son because when it comes to step-parents, bonus parents, blended families, whatever you want to call it, there is a vast, like, a stark contrast in thought about how it should be. Some people think, oh, this is an extra person who comes in and just contributes to everybody's lives and shouldn't be necessarily making decisions, but like, you know, they're there. They're more supporting the other parent. They're not necessarily here to be a full-on partner parent situation. And then there are people who come in and say, this person is their parent. This person, day in, day out, from day one, has been a parent. Um, I'm picturing a family in my mind that's beautiful and 100%. That person has been around since their kiddo was five. I, I don't know, their kid's probably like nine or 10 now. And that person is their parent. That person is equal to what mama does. And it's beautiful and amazing. And so that's why it's hard for me because there are going to be people who are like, well, they shouldn't have been doing that in the first place because they're not his parent. They're his step parent, whatever. Like they shouldn't have been so, you know, they should have been able to go and do whatever. And then there are people who are like, oh, no, that's yucky. If they're here, they're here. They should be the parent. And it's just one of those things that like so many things, it's just so polarized. There was a lot of kickback in terms of how they were with my son's dad throughout their relationship. And I didn't always recognize it for what it was, which was like pure hatred and jealousy towards my son's dad. Um, You know, I felt a lot of empathy for them, you know, coming into this um, co-parenting relationship, two parents who say, two biological legal parents who say, we're going to co-parent, we're going to be around each other with him, we're going to make sure he knows that we don't hate each other and that like we can spend time together and it doesn't have to be weird. 
And it takes a certain kind of person to be able to step into that relation into a relationship like that and be comfortable and okay and get to know the other parent and go to activities together like birthday parties and things like that and not feel like left out. Um, this person wasn't it. They attempted to look like they were. I tried to believe that they were. They were not it. It was, again, another um, flip-flop back and forth. One minute they're trying to be bros and buddy-buddy with my son's dad and the next they were talking horrible things about him, blaming him for X, Y, Z, you know, whatever. But when it came to my son, they very much would put down rules like he's not getting his hair cut because, believe it or not, or, you know, surprise, surprise, my son's dad typically wanted him to have shorter hair. So they would put down this like, you know, like, this is my stance. He doesn't want his hair cut, so he shouldn't get his hair cut. And I'm just somewhere in the middle, like, I think that he can get a trim when it's time to get him a trim like I until he's old enough to tell us what he wants to do with his hair like I don't really have like passionate feelings about this um I don't know it's just it was it, it was just weird and then like in terms of how he dressed why does he dress him like that he shouldn't be putting him in this kind of clothes just a lot of oh he's not doing things right he's not you know he's not doing as much as I am. I'm a better parent, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you live with him. So you should technically be doing more because it's like the day in day out. You say you're an equal parent. You're trying to be equal. So I'm not sure why you're complaining about the party who doesn't live in the same house. You know, a lot of, again, just flip flop back and forth. Today, I'm going to complain about this. And today I'm going to complain about the opposite. The same thing would happen a lot in terms of how often my kid was around. That flip-flop, one day, he's around too much, we need a break, he needs to go to his dad, his dad needs to spend more time with him. The next day, oh, we need to spend more time, we need to do this, we need to do that. Oh, his dad had him too long, he needs to bring him back home, he needs to bring him to home by this time, or else he's going to get punished for it. It was just a lot of, almost like they were just constantly looking for ways, like using my son and his dad as excuses for arguments, but it never made sense which one it was going to be, what it was going to be about, which hill they were going to die on that day. When it came to my son's routine, it was very clear that we were not to veer from that routine that they created for one second. And if we did, it was chaos. It was, I'm a bad mom. I can't do anything. They have to do it all. They have to stick to the routine because if it wasn't for them, everything would just be a shit show. I would, he would stay up all night. He would be brat. He would run the show. Um, which again, as I mentioned earlier, is not true. He has a bedtime. He has a routine. We do it all without them around, but very much there was a lot of like fear and eggshell walking around his routine. So you know, if they came home and it was a little bit after his lunchtime and we hadn't eaten lunch yet, it was very much like, oh crap, you know, I'm like scurrying to try to get some lunch on the table to get him eating lunch so that he can get down for his nap at one o'clock. He's not down for nap at one o'clock. It's I'm in trouble. He's in trouble. We're in trouble. It's bad. Same with bedtime. Um, especially at the end, right before I left. And I've talked about this before that lead up to like how their abuse towards him escalated their control, their frustration, all the things escalated so quickly at the end. Um, they would come home from work and if he wasn't in bed yet, he would sprint to his room and jump in his bed and get under his covers because he knew 
at three years old, three and a half years old, that they were going to be upset if he wasn't in his bed at that time. He knew that he was going to get in trouble or be made to feel like a bad kid or whatever. And I knew, and I spent a lot of time protecting him, like where I, you know, I would run in there with him and I would stay in the room with him in case they came in and were like, why isn't he asleep yet? What's going on? I don't understand what's, why is he asleep? Because I wasn't home because I wasn't here to do it. And I spent a lot of time, or like if he woke up in the night and he was crying and he was struggling, I would stay in there. I would stay in his room with him. Um, I spent a lot of time going in his room and they would go in there too. And, you know, if he couldn't sleep and, and sleep with him some nights, yes, they did. Um, or like he had a, he has a trundle bed. So we would go in there and sleep in the other bed and I'm not going to justify this. What am I doing? Some people sleep with their kids. I sleep with my kid now. Um, but like they would sleep on one bed. So he would go back to sleep, but I would go in there and I would just stay in there with him. And, you know, sometimes like in the middle of the night, they would open the door and be like, what is he doing up? What's going on? And just be so angry. And I would be like, you can go back to sleep. Like I got this. And it was just a very scary, like rigid household to be in. And I remember being very scared that he was going to grow up to be like them and, or like me to be like someone who, and we're not here to victim shame, but I got in that position because I was drawn to that. I mean, of course, you know, again, you know, they're wearing a mask in the very beginning, but there was something mysterious and inconsistent and chaotic about this person that if I'm being honest, you could tell right away. You could tell from day one. And I was drawn to that. And that's because I had that childhood wound that I'm working on. And I'm like, I don't want him to grow up with this childhood wound of like having an inconsistent caregiver and, you know, walking on eggshells and trying to earn love and things like that. And I also don't want him to grow up to be an abusive craphead who treats people this way. Like that's horrifying. And, you know, we're out now, thankfully. And, you know, I hope that I'm able to be the parent that he needs to give him just what he needs to be a secure adult who doesn't treat people that way and who knows his worth and doesn't tolerate anything like what I have tolerated. Um, because that is the truth. A a lot of times, especially with covert abuse, like we don't know and understand what's going on until afterwards. But I saw a TikTok the other day and I'm going to throw this in here. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could remember who it was. Um, but she said, one of the hardest things about abuse is looking back and remembering how you were in the beginning of the relationship when you knew what abuse was, what right and wrong was, and yet it all happened anyway. And so that's where I'm coming from when I say that I've tolerated things because, again, we are not victim shaming here. This is not what we're about. But really, you know, you know better. You know what abuse is. You know what's right and wrong. You know what you're going to tolerate and not tolerate for yourself and for your child. And then the next thing you know, you're six months and you're a year into this relationship and it all happened anyway. It all happened anyway because of love bombing, because of the way that it starts off until you get educated on it and you understand the signs, which, you know, a lot of us are doing that now. We did not have all the tools that we had before. Um, this is like totally off subject. So I am so sorry for this little offshoot, but this is really important to say. So there you go. Another thing I want to talk about is the, again, the back and forth of complaining about my child 
and quote unquote loving him. You know, it would be like, we can't do X, Y, Z because he's around. We can't do this kind of trip because he's around. We can't have sex because he's around. He's around too much. We're doing too much. We need a break. He needs to go to his dad. And then again, I already mentioned this, but like, we're his parents. We're the ones. We're the ones who should have custody of him. We are this. We are that. I am this. I am that. And, you know, when you're a parent in that situation, like, you don't really know what to do because you see this person who seems like they're fighting really hard for your kid. They love him so much. But then he's just a burden to them all the time. He's holding them back in life. He's distracting them from being able to get a job that they want or complete a course to get, I don't know, licensed or certified in this next thing that they're trying to finish. It's because of him, because he's around, because he's distracting, because I'm distracting them. You know, whatever. It's always like extremes, extremes, this or that, black or white, nothing. There was no middle ground ever where they were like, sometimes I struggle being a parent like everyone else does, but also this is beautiful and amazing and I love it. It was blaming him for everything. And, um, I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. I apologize y'all. I'm in my car. I'm still recovering from COVID. My brain is not, um, at full level. I don't think it ever is, ever is, but, um, if someone, if you're living with someone, I don't care who they are and they complain about your kid as much as this person complained about mine, Y'all, they don't want that kid. They do not want to be with that kid. They don't want to be a parent. I know some of y'all might be able to say, okay, hold on. Well, this is a situation. You know, they really struggle with X, Y, Z, whatever. Okay, cool. I don't want you around my kid if they're a burden to you, period. I do not. Um, I have days where I'm like, man, I can't get anything done. I'm sick. I have COVID. He's sick. He's home. I haven't been able to take any time to myself. I haven't been able to work on anything for myself. I'm behind on my work. I'm behind on my trauma recovery course. I'm behind on everything. This is part of being a parent. It's hard. It's hard. Um, It's not always fun. It's not always beautiful and amazing. There are things that we miss out on as parents. There are also things that we can do as parents with our kids that just make it that much better. Like I travel with my son and sometimes do I wish that I could like go out for a drink by myself and just sit in quiet? Absolutely. Do I also love showing him the world and having him ask me questions about Mexico and Spain and England because he has now seen these things that I didn't get to see till I was an adult? That's incredible. And I wouldn't change it. So yeah, my point is that like, you know, a lot of us are parents and can understand and honor the struggle and honor the beauty of being a parent and that it's not always rainbows and butterflies And we're not also constantly complaining, making our child feel like a burden, making the person who brought them into the world feel like a burden because that's, you know, it it was my fault that I had a kid. It wasn't that, you know, they could take responsibility and say, you know what? I didn't ever want to be a parent. I tried really hard. I don't think I can do this. I noticed that I'm treating your kid like shit sometimes and I'm treating you like shit for having him. I think I'm going to need to bow out. That's respectable, dude. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone can do it. Leave, go. That's fine. Maybe we can still be friends. Maybe not. If you're abusive, like obviously not, but, um, you know, it's not for everyone. It's okay to try to date someone and think that you can do it and then say, I'm actually really uncomfortable with this. 
I feel like I'm way too rigid. My parents were rigid with me. I don't know how to parent the way that you want to, which is gentle parenting and loving and calm and respectful and like, you know, not perfect because you're still learning to be that person yourself. But like, you know, I can't do that. Okay, cool. Um, it was very much, he's a burden. He's holding me back. He's holding you back. He's holding everyone back. He's holding the world back. He's the reason why the world is in the place that it's in. Like, that's horrible. And no kid should be made to feel that way. And no parent should be made to feel that their kid is that way. And so again, if that person is back and forth, flip flop up and down, hot and cold with your kid and with you, you know, it sounds so obvious saying it. And again, I will never tell anyone to just leave that relationship. But please, I encourage you, no matter if they are the biological parent or not, they're the legal parent or not, try to work your way out of that. Try to work your way to a place where your kid can feel safe all the time and be who they are all the time and never, ever, ever feel like they're holding someone back. My kid doesn't hold me back. It just looks different, right? It just looks different. It just looks different. Um, get, get those people out of your lives because man, we all grew up feeling like, you know, we weren't good enough. We weren't worthy of love we weren't because our parents like didn't know how to raise us they didn't know how because like my mom was just put in a crib when she was born why would she know how to raise me and we're all trying a lot of us are trying to do different and be better like get your kids out of those situations um I'm here there's a lot of coaches who can help you um there's resources online it's not easy so I'm again I'm not sitting here telling you to leave tomorrow let's work on this. Let's figure out something else for you and your kids. Let's try to get you safe. Um, because it's not fair. It's not okay. It's not good. These people, these people should not have access to kids, period. I'm just going to say it. So I, again, I've said this before, um, but just because I'm talking about, um, abuse towards children in this episode, I want to reiterate how, I ended up getting out of this relationship. Um, Like I said, the abuse escalated at the end of the relationship where they would come home from work agitated. He would run into his room. He would say, um, you know, during the day, if we're getting in the car, he would say, mama, just me and you today, right? At night, he would tell my my abuser, no, I don't want you. I want mama. And one night he said this again, they were home. They were agitated. They had no patience with him. So they were like, "You, you can tell when you're little if your parent is calm and collected or if like your parent needs a freaking minute because they have no patient with you patience with you they're rushing you um I can imagine that it's not fun to have someone helping you getting ready for bed and being agitated so he said no I don't want you they stormed around the house called him a brat said they were done with him I mean they were just like storming around the house like moving stuff around doing this doing that you know saying they're done saying they didn't want anything to do with him anymore and that's when I left and that's when I stayed gone um but I was only like three minutes up the road. They knew where I was and, you know, they let me leave the night that I left. Although on my way out the door, they said, you're doing this. You don't have to leave. You don't have to do this. You are doing this, which is textbook, textbook narcissism right there. I haven't been saying the word narcissist a lot lately because I noticed that there's like a lot of kickback online about it. Um, probably from abusive people. And so I'm a little bit uncomfortable saying that, but we all know what it is. So, (laughs) um, but then, you know, the the next day they're coming over, they're walking into my house without my permission. When I let the dogs out, they're lurking outside waiting to have the door 
open so that they can come in. They're beelining it to him, asking him to go with him to get a donut. They're panicking. They're telling me they don't want to lose him, that they just needed a day or two, which, you know, they had told me that they couldn't be a parent. They couldn't do this. They couldn't, you know, whatever. They're backpedaling now because I've actually left rather than going to sleep and pretend like it never happened. And they're desperate. I mean, they're telling me constantly, I want him in my life. Even if we can't work this out, I still want to be around. I still want to be, you know, taking care of him, whatever. You know what? As soon as I left and I went no contact, they didn't ask for him again. They didn't ask for the dog that they threatened to sue me over. They didn't ask for any of those things. Y'all, it's a control tactic. Literally, one of the things that kills me the most about this relationship, I always wondered why they stayed so long with me versus other people because they did. They stayed so much longer and they would say that to me. I, this is the longest that I've tried with someone. This is the longest, you know, we've gone to therapy. We've gone to, we were in therapy for at least a year, if not longer. And they would say, well, it's because I want this. I want this family. I want him. I want you. And I would be like, yeah, I mean, I can see it. They're trying so much harder than they did with anyone else. This is the longest relationship they've had. They stayed with me because they had so much control over me, over my son and my son's dad. That is a big win for a controlling, narcissistic, abusive person. They don't want to lose that kid. And the dog, they controlled me through the dog. They abused me and devalued me through the dog, through the kid, through my ex-husband, through all the things. That is a big fish to catch. And it sounds so stupid, but that's the truth. They wanted to be able to continue to do what they were doing to show up at family get-togethers, monitoring our behavior, making sure that we weren't talking about anything from the past, making any decisions without them. That is so much control to have over multiple people. So of course they weren't going to leave me. And that's something that I have to, I have to sit with is that like I was good supply. Me and my little family, my co-parenting family, my poor innocent little kiddo, we were good supply, which is what you don't want to be. You do not want to be the good supply, the one that sticks around the longest, the one that they stick around the longest, the one that they don't, you know, go replace you with because you're too easy to control or whatever. I hope this isn't you. I hope you're not sitting here listening to this saying, oh my gosh, me too. I was quote unquote good supply. That sucks. They stuck around so long because they had so much to control here. It's a horrible feeling. Um, but it's also a very good thing to, to realize, to heal from, to understand and, um, to never allow happen again. Um, no one will ever control my son that way again. No one will ever, um, quote unquote, be his parent. If I decide to date again in the future, cool. Someone called me and knocked me off my train of thought. Um, anyway, if I date again, that person's just going to be a nice person who, you know, comes over and hangs out for a while or, comes to a soccer game with us or whatever and goes home. I cannot see myself living with someone again unless they're super chill and like hands off. I cannot see myself like letting someone into my son's life in that way again um, because it's very scary. And if you're in my shoes and you're a survivor and you're like, yeah, it's been seven years and I still haven't dated, there's nothing wrong with you. That is not a bad thing. Like you have been through so much. I don't blame you. Like I, the idea of being in another serious relationship sounds horrible. Like, no, thank you. Um, 
and having someone near your kids again like that no no thank you it's not it's not easy to go back from that and some people do and some people have found really awesome partners and have beautiful relationships after abuse and it's so nice to see and I'm so glad that people do that I can't even imagine that so again uh you know this is not something that's easy to talk about it's embarrassing like I said I don't want my son like labeled necessarily as like a survivor, um, but he was definitely abused. Um, he was rigidly controlled. He was limited in who he could be for some time when they were around, at least. Like, you know, when I was around, I was pretty much on top of it and, and protected him from being shut down from, you know, being who he was and is and things like that. And but you can only do so much when, you know, obviously that person is is in charge of everybody and everything. And, you know, that you have to behave a certain way or else it's going to get bad for you, for the kiddo. Like you don't know when it's going to be an argument next. It's just a horrible situation to be in. So thank you all for listening. Um, I could have probably said so much more about what he went through and what I went through in terms of trying to protect him from this person. But I do try to keep these podcasts, you know, 20, 25 minutes, and I know that your time is precious. So if people want me to talk about my kiddo some more, I will absolutely do another episode another time, but I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I'm pretty tired from talking about this. Um, so I hope this was helpful and validating if you've been in this kind of relationship where the abuse doesn't seem quite so obvious as other things that can happen. And so you question it and, um, you feel crazy even talking about it because you're afraid that people are going to say, well, that's not abuse or that's not so bad. Or, you know, I treat my kids this way too. My kids need a bad time too. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that anyway. Like, um, parenting is a very hard thing to talk about. Cause like I said, people are very, very different in how they approach all of this. But yeah, I hope this did bring some validation to you. I hope that you don't feel so alone or I hope it helps bring you some clarity to be able to get out of these situations if you're in it. Um, again, that's what I'm here for. Some of this stuff is not easy to talk about, but if it is helpful for even one person, then I'm always glad that I was able to do that. So, all right, here we go. As always, if you like this episode and you like this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. I really want to get this podcast into the ears of the people who need it the most and your ratings and reviews definitely help to get that, um, to make that happen. If you want more from me, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the Lindsay Goodman, or you can visit my website, thelindsaygoodman.com. Take care of yourselves. This was a rough subject. Drink water, do something nice for yourself today. Uh, also happy mother's day, a little bit late to all the mothers out there. I hope you had a good one and I will be back next week with more.